0: Welcome to the Writer's Block Party Podcast, with your hosts Meredith Bond and Prue Warren, where they discuss every aspect of a writer's life, from the craft of writing and editing, through publishing and marketing, and finally, into building a global publishing empire. Here is Mary and Prue.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Writer's Block Party Podcast. I am one of our hosts. I am Meredith Bond, and I am here, as always, with my co-host.
2: I want to do, like, a Wayne and Garth, as always, with me as Garth. No, I'm Prue Warren, but I do sort of take <laughs> Garth role, right? The sort of idiot, like, blah! And I was just saying to you, Mary, that I'm I am not... I silver tongued this morning, so if I'm stupid, more stupid than usual, you'll just have to you'll just have to forgive me.
1: And this is good because I'm really going to make you think today. I'm going to make you think deeply. Oh yeah! Our topic today <laughs> is based on a blog post that I read on Writer Unboxed, which is a fantastic blog. They have such amazing articles. I love Writer Unboxed. And there was one in August, way back in August, by Barbara Lynn Probst, who wrote a blog post called Writing, Art, Identity, or Profession. And I'll send you the link so that you can put it in the show notes.
2: I will. That's excellent.
1: And she... Starts out with her article saying with something that I thought was really interesting. She says, I'm gonna quote, during my years teaching social work students, I would begin each semester with an exercise called I am. I'd tell the students to take a piece of paper and finish the sentence with the first thing that came to their mind. I am. Prue, what's the first thing that came to your mind? Tired. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Good.
2: What's the first thing that came to your mind? A writer. Oh, oh, look at that. Oh, I see. You've got you've got a much bigger brain going on today. <laughs> well, but that's, but it's, you know, but there are a lot of things you can say. I'm sitting oh, in my
1: office. Absolutely. You can say I'm sitting in the, I am sitting in my office, or I am a mom, or I am whatever right. religion you are. Um, right. I am a wife. I am straight. Uh, I'm a coach. These are the things that I thought of. Huh.
2: Huh. Okay. That's funny because mine are so much more. (laughs) I am tired. I look so pale and pudgy in the zoom screen. (laughs) I am. Today. Right. I'm not thinking beyond. I must be in a very selfish mode. Okay. So anyway, I think that's very interesting. Okay.
1: So the concept is, are you a writer or are you an author? And what's the difference?
2: Do you have an answer?
1: Um, she provides an answer that I think is correct. She says a writer is somebody who writes, and it doesn't matter what they write because they're not writing necessarily for anyone. They just they just write. I can see where you're going. That's nice. And an author is someone who publishes their writing and writes something. You know, writes books.
2: Hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, that's really interesting. All right. Let me ask you this. I'm going to make you think. For 25 years, I was a fundraising copywriter. Mm -hmm. You called me up and said, write me me a fundraising letter for my organization and I'll sign my name to it. And I said, you bet. Pay me lots of money. And they did. Does that make me a writer or a publisher?
1: Oh, Oh. well- your work was essentially published because it was sent out to probably thousands of people That's true on the other hand, your name was not attached to it
2: that's true you
1: were a ghost writer
2: that's true that's true that's exactly what I was I was a ghostwriter that sounds much more mysterious and exciting okay. All right that was a pretty good answer you're you're doing okay on the out of the blue quest better than me I yeah. am. <laughs> wish I had brushed my teeth. That's just the way I'm thinking. Okay. I'm interrupting you. I know carry on.
1: Okay. So that's, that was this article. And I thought it was fascinating to follow up on that. I recently discovered another article that also got me thinking along the same lines. And it was published by the Insecure Writer Support Group, which is a wonderful group. they remote writing. They support authors who are feeling insecure, as most of us do. And this was a blog post called The Right Life, W-R-I-T-E, by Elizabeth Seckman. And she wrote this article about her meeting with Dixie Browning, who is another author. And she originally contacted Ms. Browning to ask her to autograph a book for her, for her sister, who's a big fan. And she said when she wrote back to thank Ms. Browning for the her autograph, which was very kindly done, um, she said, and by the way, I've always thought of wanting to write a book. And the woman wrote back saying, if you want to be a writer, just do it. Be a writer, right? Be a writer. And it inspired her to actually sit down and write a book. So my so my first question to you, based on this blog post, is: When did you start writing a novel? Your first novel, and what inspired you to do it?
2: Oh, uh, I think I can actually answer that that question definitively because I do know, and it's the same for all aspects of my life: it's boredom. I was working a job at an advertising agency as a receptionist. There was nothing to do. And my sister had uh, I don't know, I, I wrote I wrote the first chapter of quite a convoluted story, which included the rock stars she and I liked, and she was a veterinarian and we when, when in the Bahamas. It was, oh, it was it was a wild story, but it was just sheer boredom, right? And how this, old were you? Like, Ding, 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 25. Wow. But I have I have often told friends, I've made up stories for friends, you know, as we're walking down the street or, you know, sitting in study hall or whatever. So I've, I've always liked to make up a good story. But that was the first one that I think I actually sat down and wrote. And it was inspired by boredom. And I think boredom is a huge motivator for me. <laughs> <laughs> what was yours? I was also
1: inspired by boredom. Yeah. Because I couldn't get a job. I had gotten married and moved to rural Massachusetts, and I couldn't get a job. And so I had nothing else to do.
2: So, and did you write a full book?
1: I did. That was, and it was later published as the Mary Marquis.
2: For God's sakes, the first book you ever tried turned into an actual book, and you published it.
1: And it won a contest.
2: It won, (laughs) yeah, it won two contests. Some of us have taken a different path than others of us. (laughs) Very interesting.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. So, but, so the other thing that she said, uh, another thing she was talking about when she was suggesting that this new author just start writing, um, was the fact that she herself, uh, Dixie Browning, was planning on retiring and never, ever, ever writing again.
2: That's, yeah. Yeah. Okay. The reaction being...
1: And so this new author said, how can you do that? And Ms. Browning said, I write for money, and therefore, it's a job. Therefore, I can retire from
2: it. Uh, Okay, here's my problem with that. And I, uh, uh, this is a focus group of one. Actually, it's a focus group of two, because there's and when I, when I go through something, when I experience something, I'm a, I'm a well-known over-poster on Facebook, right? I mean, I write really long posts on Facebook because I can't come to grips with something completely until I've written about it. That's what cements it in my brain. So the idea of never writing again makes me giggle. I'm like, no, that's not gonna, you may say you am not gonna publish any more books, but you will always be a writer. And I think of, Stephen King, who said once, "That's it. I'm done. I'm not writing anymore." And man, the words bubbled up in that man, and were of like in a torrent. He couldn't shut it off, and he's still publishing today. So I think that that I think I call bullshit on that. I think I call bullshit. I don't think you stop being a writer because you stop being an author. Look, there's a distinction for you.
1: There you are. So I guess her distinction is that she stopped being an author
2: i believe it when I see it. I don't think people actually retire. No, I don't know. Kathy Gillis Seidel says she's done. She says she's she thinks she's fully retired. She just doesn't have it and she doesn't want to do it anymore.
1: Right. I'm like, But really? does she want to write still and just know. not publish? I don't
2: know. Because it could
1: simply be that she's just she was traditionally published. And so maybe she's just tired of dealing with the publishing industry.
2: Yeah, you're right. You're right. All right. Okay, but I think it's important to have that distinction between author and writer. I cannot ever imagine not writing.
1: Oh, no. I would curl up and die. Right. Because um, right, right. I'm like you. I need to write something down to process it. You do it on Facebook. I do it privately in my journal. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm going to open my... Uh, uh, let's look at my sock drawer.
1: <laughs> Funny. But the concept... Of never writing or ne- even even never publishing again. Because do you think now that you've started publishing, you would want
2: to stop? Actually, no, no. Because self publishing is it's a lot of work, but it's also extraordinarily satisfying. Mm. It's just it is an ego soak to put your words up. Even if no one reads them, there they are for you to buy because they're worth a $1.99 by God. And I'll entertain you for that amount of time. I love, I'm very, I'm very proud of it. I'm proud of it. No, I don't think I'll stop, but I don't know. The hard part is the marketing, Exactly. is hard and expensive to get it right. But I'm hoping that there will be a snowballing effect. I'm hoping that there'll be a cumulative effect that uh, once I have five books out, once I have 10 books out, however many books it is, that they will, each of them, sell enough copies per week to accumulate into books that pay for themselves instead of me just like going, woohoo, I'm throwing more money at the books, right? I mean, <laughs> it would be nice if they would pay for themselves, but I do like Wait. I do self-publishing. I do like not having a uh, an agent sit in judgment or mm. a publishing house make changes that I don't like. Mm-hmm. Um, with the cover, I'm in control of the title. This is very satisfying to me. I think it's because I am an arrogant person. I don't think it's
1: necessarily arrogance. I know for me, it is approval-seeking behavior. I want people to like me.
2: Oh, oh, I see. But I but see I think it's not as much as you think because if it was approval seeking, you would want the approval of agents and, and editors and publishers. I I've been there done that. Yeah. Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> Award winner.
1: <laughs> I I did the traditional publishing thing and it was not exciting.
2: Here's my the only thing I have to, here's the only original thought I have to bring to this topic today. I wrote as the communications director for the Washington Romance Writers, which is my local chapter of Romance Writers of America. I wrote a member survey Mm -hmm. for the members to take. And one of the questions was, uh, we have 116 members as the time of the survey, but maybe 30 people ever attend the programs that we put on. And so why do you not attend the programs? Right. And half of the people who responded said, timing. It's the timing is not right for me. Mm-hmm. And initially what I thought was, well, we have programs on Saturday morning. We have programs on school nights. We have tried to arrange our programming so that it's available. If you have soccer on Tuesdays and, right, take the kids to grandmas on Saturdays, there's something that you can you can get to. But the more I thought about it, the more I realized that it wasn't when we were holding programs that half the people who responded to the survey were not in the right time to be writing a book, that they could not take the time to stop being a writer and become an author, right? There's too much going on. They have full-time jobs. They have families. They have other things that they have to take care of and while being a writer is their identity, it cannot yet be their profession.
1: Or is not yet.
2: Is not yet. Right. It's just not the right time for them. But they're still interested in the concept of learning about writing because that is their identity. So your the, the original blog post, writing art, identity, or profession, I think is quite potent today because I think so many people would love to be authors, but they just don't have the time, the energy mm-hmm. to devote to it. Mm-hmm. So it sounds to me like the uh, the Write Life, the Insecure Writer Support Group lady was talking to someone who's, for whom writing was a profession. Whereas for you and me, probably more me than you, it's more art slash identity, right? We're just we just love to tell our stories and maybe right. we'll buy them. But if they don't, we're not going to stop.
1: Well, but that is actually more me as well, because well, I, you're am, more than I am so, so I'm not necessarily more successful. I have more books because I've been doing it longer.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, I say that. I say that slight bit of skepticism. I think, I think you probably, your writing pays for itself. You don't invest in your writing at this point. No, I do. I'm still investing in my writing
1: because I'm still running ads. And, you know, I just out of just for Halloween, because uh, as we're recording this, it's the 29th of October. And just for Halloween, I put up an ad on Facebook for my book, um, My Lord Ghost, Mm -hmm. because it's not a ghost. Okay, good title. (laughs) Or, Or, you know. A guy who, who, is, who is ghost-like. And actually last weekend was a gorgeous, gorgeous weekend here. And I convinced, I dragged my husband out to the park and uh, with uh, my hands full of my books. And we put them in various places and took pictures of them.
2: Oh, that's nice.
1: You know, for fun, for me to use as images for my ads. And he was also taking videos because Facebook loves videos. So it, and it was a windy day. So actually it was very funny. So he, we put the book down on a park bench and the wind just picked up all of a sudden and blew the book. And the, so the, the cover was flapping wildly and here's my Lord ghost with the cover flapping wildly all by itself.
2: (laughs) It's awesome. (laughs) Are you using that in your ad?
1: So I'm using that for my ad.
2: (laughs) I hope I see see it.
1: (laughs) I did not lower the price of the book at all. It's $2.99. It's $2.99. All I did was put up the ad on Facebook. And then if, you know, five, seven copies have sold. Whereas before, no copies were selling. Because it's an old book. I published it like four or five years ago. Mm. So it's way backlist. Five to seven copies of a two ninety nine dollars book. And I am spending, what, $50, $40 on this ad.
2: Okay. And Amazon's <laughs> going to give you 70%. So you're going to make $7 and you've spent 50. However, don't you assume that those five to seven people are now going to go, oh, I like this author? And That's what huge- I'm hoping. Right. So looking at just that book that you sold, see, this is the difference between you and me. When I sell five to seven books in a week, I'm just selling five to seven books. That's it. I'm done. Well, you have not anymore. You now have three books. Now I do, but it's not. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. You're right. I'm just wondering how I can see read through. People talk about, do you get read through Are people reading the rest of the series? And the answer is, I don't know. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I can see read through because I I will see that other people have bought other copies um, from the same series, but I don't know that I'll see any from my Lord Ghost ads, but I wanted to promote my backlist and that, and I like promoting that book at Halloween. It's fun. And then making this fun little video was even more fun because (laughs) it's it's silly.
2: (laughs) I and thought it would
1: capture people's are attention.
2: Are you not going to run it after Halloween? You just stop after Halloween.
1: Yeah, I'll just stop after Halloween. And I will go back to promoting my Ladies Wagering West Society or something.
2: But save the video and do it again next year. I mean, from now on, it's your perpetual. Yeah, It's yeah. fab. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but the point is, is that despite the fact that I have so many books, I am still investing in this work. Uh-huh. I am still doing it because of my stories that I have to tell. Identity. For my identity. This is me. I am a writer. I enjoy writing stories. It is good for my mental health because mm. I know that if I stop writing, I get depressed. Ah. Uh-huh. And so I need to write. It's part of who I am. I have stories to tell. I have characters who I need to delve into and pull apart and put back together again and then totally destroy and then (laughs) Uh eventually make them have a fantastic life. Right, right. But if I didn't do that, I would not be a happy person.
2: Yeah, yeah. I don't think that I would. My Here's my version is. I'm fine if I'm not creating a story, but when I am creating a story, I get really swollen and pumped and arrogant and, you know, like I'm going to bite you if you annoy me. I'm like, I'm very primitive and visceral and proud and strong. It's a very, it is, it is very primitive and it is addictive. I like, I miss it. If I don't have the chance to go, that's what this scene needs. Oh my God. I just thought of something so clever. (laughs) I like that. Yeah, I know. Yep. That's awesome. Do you uh, make a distinction? I think it's easy to understand identity and profession, but do you, where do you put art in that? Art, identity, or profession? Do you think art is just purely writing? I mean, where does art fit? Art fits into what you just said.
1: That moment where you say, oh my God, I'm so clever. I can't believe I just thought of that. That's fantastic.
2: That's the art. That's such a good moment.
1: I know Ooh. I I I write a scene and I'm like, "Oh shit, that was really good." That's
2: good. Mine is I often have these moments. Thank you to Kathy Maxwell for the words hypnagogic and hypnopompic. I have those Not moments. Not Kathy Maxwell. It wasn't Kathy Maxwell. Grace
1: Burrows. Grace Burroughs.
2: You're right. It was Grace Burrows. You're absolutely right. I'm That's ashamed. So. Those moments When your brain has quieted the inner critic, hypnagogic, wait a minute, let me get my glasses on to read the actual definition. I know I do it every third podcast. Um, Hypnagogic is the falling asleep state and hypnopompic is the waking up state. So those are the moments in my brain where my inner critic is quietest. The the voice that says, "You, you can't figure this out, you can't do it, that's stupid is the quietest in those moments. And for me, it's often uh, in the morning when I first wake up, I'm either lying in bed wishing I didn't have to get up, or it's often a teeth brushing moment when I say, oh, for God's sakes, she's dyslexic. Of course, that's perfect, right? (laughs) (laughs) And the whole world revolves on a different axis and something has come to me that has That has changed my, not only my viewpoint, but my willingness to bite anyone who gets in my way. (laughs) And I think that is probably the art. I think that is the act of creation that is, you know, glorious, just gorgeous and addictive. Yes, it is. It absolutely is addictive. We are, we are addicted to our
1: own brilliant.
2: Exactly. (laughs) Brilliant.
1: Brilliant. or at least our own feeling that we are
2: right, right. whether it's actually brilliant is for someone else to decide but i think a lot of the issue with people who have writing as an identity as opposed to being an author as a profession is often there are people who lack the trust that that moment will come there is there is an evolution where you say you know what i'll think i know i'll figure this out I'm going to set it up so he's miserable and she's miserable and I'm going to have to figure out a way to bring them together again. I don't know what it is, but I'll figure it out because that's what I do. There's a moment of trust when when that inspiration hits often enough that you can actually rely on it. You can actually rely on the quieted critic that allows your subconscious to bubble up the idea that will light you up and make you so eager to get it out on paper.
1: Trust. Yeah. Yeah. Trust. Trust in yourself. And it's interesting that you say that because authors as a whole are insecure people, ergo, you know, this insecure writers group. <laughs> we are insecure people. We do have um, imposter syndrome, where even the most well established New York Times best selling, whatever gobbledygook you want to go on, popular established author. Even they have imposter syndrome sometimes. Even they have worries that it's not gonna happen again or that their next book is just gonna flop. Whatever it is, we all have these fears. Why? you know, that's we such an still in- we do trust ourselves.
2: That's oh. interesting. There is a great freedom in being at the beginning of a career. There's a huge freedom in not having achieved a classic definition of success, because I don't feel, you know, self-publishing has helped me to see that I am not an imposter, right? There's a lot of crap out there. The bar is low, man. You don't have to be that good to be really good. <laughs> but on the other hand, I also don't have critical success. So it's very easy for me to say, yeah, yeah, the next one will be great too. No problem, because nobody's noticed my books, <laughs> but I can see your point. I may become more insecure under the assumption that if people say, wow, this was really great, right? And they say it publicly and they say it loudly, maybe now my my goal will be to, you know, I might I might develop a little insecurity. Yeah. First world problems. Wouldn't that be nice? Oh, I'm so successful. How will I ever sustain it, darling? I think that's in my future in a long way in the future, but that's okay. I'll still, I'll still create something good and want to bite people in, in ah, power. I wonder why I get so bitey. I never have actually bitten anybody, (laughs) but I do sort of wander around snapping my teeth going. Yep. That's pretty good. I know you think I'm insane and who can, who can disagree. I'm looking at our time. We're at about two minutes and 15 seconds in our self-imposed time limit. Am I cutting you off if I move on to what's happening in our next broadcast
1: podcast? Not at all. Go straight go right ahead.
2: Okay. Because in our next podcast, we're talking to Carrie Ray Barnum. And Carrie Ray Barnum did a did a workshop for the Washington Romance Writers on how to get along with Amazon, that I thought was very, very valuable. I think of Amazon as the big deep. I mean, there are very few guideposts in Amazon. They're opaque. They do not help you figure out how to sell more books. And somehow this Carrie Ray Barnum does know how to make it happen. And she's agreed to come on our podcast and share a few of her thoughts of wisdom with us. Uh, and that's going to be our next podcast. I'm very excited, very excited to talk to her.
1: Absolutely. I can't wait to speak with her about that because Amazon, it's like a wall. Right. And and we're all sort of chipping at at the mortar between the bricks, trying to find a way in.
2: Oh, God. So confusing.
1: She has managed to actually extract one of those bricks and and can peer in and knows what's going on in there.
2: Yeah. Yeah. She was the one. Uh, who got me started on the concept of categories, right. which you and I have discussed on our podcast because of her. Uh, so I'm 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 delighted to get another shot at listening to what she has to say. Yes,
1: that will be fascinating. So in the meantime, listeners have a wonderful week. Be good, write luck. Rate your favorite podcast. Ooh. Oh. Rate your favorite podcast. Gee, which one might that be?
2: Hmm. Is there one? Could there be something you particularly like you'd like to stick a star or two or five on? We would do. <laughs> 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 Have a great week, Prue. Cheap pantering. My, you look lovely today, listener. Mm, <laughs> you lost weight. You look good. <laughs> the devil you <laughs> Meredith we gotta end this I'm getting punchy okay <laughs> I'll talk to you next week Meredith
0: Bye. bye that's it for the writer's block party this week we don't want you getting so drunk on knowledge that you can't drive your laptop safely. But next week we'll be here before you know it, so check out the website at thewritersblockpartypodcast.com. One word. That's where you can find our archive of past podcasts and a place where you can get in touch with Mary and Prue or ask questions for the next podcast. Write with joy, friends, and see you next week.